You're listening to the Bi Urban Yogi Podcast. I'm your host, Will Blunderfield, Tej Rondir Singh. How can we live our modern lives with balance? How do we find happiness in all the noise? Where can we find meaning and live an awesome life filled with purpose and adventure? What role does sexuality play in spirituality? How about nutrition? How about community? Enter the Bi Urban Yogi. I'm a psych major, a Kundalini yoga teacher, spin instructor, and a network Sony recording artist. I invite you to join me in these free-flowing conversations, exploring what it means to live with balance, love, and peace in the 21st century. Barbara Schellenberg, General Manager of Vancouver for Pasture to Plate Natural Products Limited and owner of West Coast Beverage, the maker of Ethical Soda Kombucha. For nine years, she was the owner and operator of Ethical Kitchen on the North Shore, a natural foods restaurant and creative food space where she spent many happy days creating healthy food for her friends, family, and customers. Today, she brings that experience to her new work with Pasture to Plate, which happens to be her parents' labor of love, which they have created over the past 40 years to finally be what it is today. In her free time, she's a proud mother of two beautiful girls. She loves to garden, keep her house in order, and feed people who come for dinner to her home. She also has the kombucha company, which rounds off the work week. Please enjoy my interview with Barbara. So I'm here with Barbara from Pasture to Plate, and Barbara and her family have been running Pasture to Plate for 20, over 20 years now. Yeah. And it started as a farm operation, and you would bring like the products down to farmers markets. Is that yes. right? Yeah, that's amazing. That's what we used to do. And then, did you say it was about eight years ago that you started the butcher shop on uh, Commercial Drive? Six years ago. Six now. years ago, fantastic. Yeah. And then two years ago, you opened up the deli slash mini uh, butchery on um, is it Comox in Denman? It's on Denman. Yeah, I guess it's Comox. So that area, yeah. Comox. Yep. Yeah. And we're actually going to transition that one into more of a butcher shop. That was originally cool. the plan was to have a butcher shop. And nice. then when they did open it, realized we didn't have the herds built up enough to actually supply two. I see. So now we're at a point where we could even supply three. So we're going to transition. Oh, amazing. We'll keep the kitchen. We'll still do food. But and can I, I can butcher. cut this out if this is not going to be common knowledge yet. But are, are we allowed to say that you're going to be opening one in yeah. North End? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited because I work in North End still. So yes. That'll be awesome. Near the auto yeah. mall. Yeah, looking Your forward choices to... Your choices on Drive there, that'll be awesome. Um, so what's the difference? I mean, there's so many differences, but just for the listeners, what's the difference between getting your meat from pasture to plate versus getting your meat from, like, Safeway? Well, one of the big things is, I guess, starting on the, the bigger scale and then coming down to the what impact it has on you as a person. But mm-hmm. environmentally, it's... Uh, it's much better for the land. The animals are eating what they're meant to eat. They're not confined into small spaces. You know, their manure isn't pooling and then fermenting and making all the problems. Mm. Um, they also do a lot because they're on great rangelands a lot of the year and they're grazing and they actually help mediate forest fires and things like that. They eat the grass. They actually oh, nice. also help stimulate the grass to grow so that there will be more feed for the deer and the wild oh. animals of the winter. And this is up in the caribou country, eh? In the it Ch- is. Chilcotin Valley, is it? Yes. Called? Nice, because I've been to 108 Mile House. Is, okay. it, is it anywhere near there? Uh, another three hours northwest. Okay, cool. Yeah, awesome. you'll have to come out sometime. I'd love to. So, so cattle and just animals in general, when they're in their natural environments, they have a lot of beneficial things they bring to the land. Of course, nice. the manure um, is in that sense then actually really helpful for the land rather than being toxic when it's kind of sitting in these yeah, giant it's bats. concentrated yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, the animals themselves, they have good lives. They're, they're happy, they get to run free, they are well taken care of. Um, we don't use vaccines and we don't feed them things they're not supposed to be getting. We don't use fertilizers on the land. We do everything organic. And uh, that, that makes a big difference to them. Um, one of the things, for instance, is that we do, especially in the winter, we grow fodder, which is basically sprouts. Mm. A lot of people do, you know, wheatgrass juice and things like that. So we have a facility where we can grow up to 2,000 pounds of sprouts in every 48 hours. Holy moly. So it's a huge, basically a huge sprouting farm. So we sprout organic food grade um, seeds and then let them grow to about four to five inches wow. of bright green. So in the middle of winter when there's snow everywhere and it's really cold, 
usually that's when diseases can spread really easily, especially because the cows huddle more. And so anything mm. that one has passes on to the other, kind of like small children in a school. Mm. And uh, with the sprouts, it actually elevates their immune system. So they don't, we haven't had spreads of any kind of diseases for years now. So that's it's really helpful. Um, and so that's covered the land and the animals. And then it comes down to the consumer, of course, if you are what you eat, then you know having something that's healthy and nutrient dense and uh, has been treated well makes a big difference. It makes a difference to the flavor as well because um, when the animals are harvested and they're calm, they don't get that adrenaline rush into the system. So actually, the flavor changes. And uh, how do you harvest the animals up there differently than how they're harvested in a typical, you know, way? So because we're vertically integrated, which means we have, we raise the animals ourselves, we harvest them ourselves, and then we do it right to the table. We sell them to our customers. So mm -hmm. we have control of every step in the way. Mm -hmm. And that was a big thing for years. We didn't have our own slaughterhouse. And uh, so we would put all this care and attention into the animals. And then they still had to be shipped off somewhere to be slaughtered. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't, uh, that wasn't ideal. So when we built the slaughterhouse, we did it. Um, using things like Temple Grandin's flow mm -hmm. for animals to be calm. We also, um, the most interesting part is we use a priest cow. I've heard about this. So the priest cow, she's, her name's Teresa, and she has a little baby. His name's Raven. And uh, she's wonderful. She's like a short, little, really fat cow, and she's super <laughs> gentle. And she's, uh, she's there every time any animal is being harvested. She's there right to the end. Mm. And so she's a really docile, calm animal and that really helps mm -hmm. keeping them calm because they're not alone um, so that's a big thing we do um, that makes us different from other facilities also, I heard the skylight in your restaurant here is sort of symbolic of that um, open air like the I heard that the animals are slaughtered open air so that their spirits can go back yes. up yes yeah. so we do uh, it is open air and then there's actually a peak in the building with, which is symbolic there is a a handmade mosaic that was made by a Vancouver artist and has a bunch of symbols on it. Hmm. And that's sort of the spiritual aspect of the... Is it like a First Nations? I think it is. Um, I think it was designed by First Nations. It has symbols. It has the yin-yang symbol. It has the bear paw. It has various oh, symbols. Sort of, um, and then the blood sort of flows in a spiral over all these symbols. And wow. above that, there's the peak where the, um, the spiritual man, I guess, we hired to, to design it all. Mm -hmm. he, uh, he said that's where the the spirits would then flow up. Wow. Um, so that's that aspect, which, I mean, some people, you know, believe in it, some people don't, but it, mm -hmm. in the end, it still comes down to the quality of the product, and yeah. it does make a difference yeah, to, the, totally. to the product in the end. And then, of course, when it comes back to the difference between pasture plate meat and buying it in just a regular grocery store, you have, uh, you know, people look at the price and say, well, it's so much more expensive. But if you, you could do an experiment at home, you can take a pound of just conventional um, ground beef and a pound of, you know, you're going to pay maybe $3 for that. And a pound of pasture plate ground beef, you're going to pay maybe, you know, 9 or $10. But uh, once you cook it and then reweigh it, you're actually, the organic one is cheaper hmm. because you're not having the loss and the shrinkage. So, so there's more water content to the conventional? A lot more. Interesting. A lot more. Why is that? Um, I think it has a lot to do with the speed the animals are growing. So mm. kind of like a, like a carrot from your garden versus a carrot from a farm, you know, from a factory farm. They get really huge, don't have a lot of flavor. Yeah. I think it's very similar that way. A conventional beef animal will be harvested in about 12 months from mm. its birth. And a grass-fed animal... For, through pasture to plate will be anywhere from about 24 to 35 months old before mm. it reaches that point. So they're so much, much older. Because yeah. you're not injecting them with hormones and We're not injecting them with hormones. We're not confining them where they don't get exercise and they just have to put on weight. So right. they get lots of exercise. They get to walk around and uh, do their thing and they just get to grow at a natural rate. Um, same with the chickens. Like the chickens are generally harvested in, I think, eight weeks. Mm. And we're doing them, you know, so 14 to 16 weeks. So wow. they get to grow a lot slower, more in line with how nature sort of probably intended them to grow. Cool. Which means then, of course, that they get to be more nutrient dense because yeah. everything is denser, right? And the bones from an older animal, even they will have more minerals in them because yeah. they've had more time to accumulate. So. What's the definition of uh, Demeter, organic, um, grass-fed, and grass-finished? 
So the Demeter certification is the most elaborate. It is um, sort of a step above certified organic because mm. it is it encompasses that that spiritual element. Oh really? Um, so you have. I guess you do everything organic. You don't use chemicals and all these things. But what they do on top of it is they make almost like homeopathic remedies for the land. So you make herbal mm. teas and you spread them on the land. Um, there's certain rituals. For instance, well, the biggest difference I saw when my parents shifted from just organic to being Demeter and following the biodynamic processes mm. was the fact I think their, their contentedness with what they do went up and I think mm -hmm. it has to do with the fact that um, farming is and ranching is very very hard you work all year round you know it's always go 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 you never get a break and it's easy to just get lost in in the years mm -hmm. and there's always so much to do but with the biodynamic approach you really need to pause there's certain celebrations that are just um, that you do for instance the solstice you do the winter solstice mm -hmm. there's different times in the year where it's just time to pause and you celebrate something mm -hmm. um, whether it's the harvest or the, the coming spring and it just gives a little more meaning to what they're doing on a daily basis anyway so the so Demeter just, includes these sort of pauses and celebrations it does and wow. I think it really kind of breaks up the year a little bit and it just gives them this day to sort of re-energize and to to acknowledge all the hard work they've done and all the things that have been created which often can just get lost yeah you know so that, to me, is the biggest part of the biodynamic from what I've seen. But I know they definitely do the teas and things like that for the land. So they create teas from herbs off the land and then spread it back? Yeah, they do that. Um, they that, do. What does that do? Is it symbolic? or? or... Um, some people definitely say it's symbolic, more on the spiritual end. But uh, microbiologically, you can test the, in the ground that something's happening. So hmm. um, there's all kinds of preparations. One of them includes uh, you take the horn from a lactating cow and you stuff it with the manure from a, I think, a female cow. And um, that gets then buried on the winter solstice cool. and then dug up on the summer solstice. And then they stir that contents into big vats of water and they stir it in a certain direction and they stir it in the other direction to symbolize um, order and chaos of the universe wow. and then that gets sprinkled on the land so it's oh my god a I lot no of idea uh, that there was so much a lot of in ritual in do. the biodynamic so cool. yeah is it from a certain country Demeter it's bigger in Europe for sure I know that Gotianum is in Switzerland which is sort of the the stronghold of the biodynamic and the Rudolf Steiner um teachings but mm. I think originally it was from Austria wow yes and do you get certain Demeter um, people to come and like see that you're doing it is there it is like an inspection thing? there's an annual inspection um, just mm. like with organic certification so mm. then we go on with the organic certification we have um, like any other product that's certified organic you you know you don't use antibiotics you you keep a lot of records cool um, any animal that does get sick and might need a medicine of some sort would then be marked <laughs> so that it won't go into the meat production and things like that. So, wow, so it's very stringent um, and it is. involved. That's really yes. cool. So that's Demeter and then organic. I heard um, my mom sent me an article. I guess the organic standards in BC are becoming more stringent. I don't know if you've heard about that in the last few weeks. I didn't hear about that. Um, I don't know if it includes meat products or if it's just vegetables and fruits, but uh, apparently they're they're cracking down on it. Oh, interesting. It's said on CBC News, so that's I guess interesting. that's positive. Yeah, thing. it would it would affect again though. Like it does make it with those things generally. It's not a blanket um, approach they take. They'll take it. They'll treat maybe local products more strictly, mm. but imported products still get the cool. same. Uh, oh, really? So it's always it is. I mean, it is best too. And it's another reason to eat local, right? And buy yeah. local because those yeah. products are going to be treated the most stringently. It's a. Uh, it's like that with know. a lot of things. Yes, we have to follow a lot of rules that. Um, organizations from other countries maybe wouldn't be imposing but we can still import there and sell their products as organic here so oh that's good to know oh. so canada they don't look at other people's other countries practices necessarily to determine no whether or not the organic is truly organic no because every country or even the different certifying bodies have different levels different standards yes. and levels yeah how would you say canada's levels rate you know in comparison to the rest of the world i'd say we're pretty good, pretty good. Um, i mean in general our agriculture practices are fairly clean compared to what goes on in some countries mm -hmm. and uh, I think 
definitely there's a huge push from the population here. Mm -hmm. People are have access to a lot of material and they want something better. And so I've just been in, I mean, ever since I was a teenager involved in the organic food industry and seen it just grow. You know, so many people say, especially with the grass fed originally, that, oh, it's just a fad. And, you know, people will go, just people will drop it and you see things like that all the time that pop up and then they disappear. Right? Mm -hmm. Every season has a new fad. But the grass-fed and grass-finished and those things have just kept growing and growing and growing. And I think it's because people want to do something better. They feel the difference. Mm -hmm. They taste the difference. And then it just becomes the go-to choice for them. It's, yeah. And it becomes more and more available. That's fantastic. And what is the definition of, for the audience, grass-fed and grass-finished? Right. So that's an important distinction because all cattle, of course, for most of their lifespan would be grass-fed. It wouldn't be economically feasible to raise a, a beef animal from on grain for the entirety of their life because because it's very expensive. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where we get this little bit of a, a frustration, I guess, when it comes to a lot of producers saying, well, it's grass-fed because, yes, it has been grass-fed for the majority of its life, but it's those last weeks and months of its life that really make the difference. So if you're switching them, even for just a month, to, onto a finishing diet of grain, yeah. which puts on all that fat, but it is enough to change their body chemistry and change their balances of omega-3s and omega-6s, and it changes all those things, just even those last few weeks. And that's what you're then consuming. So what you're getting is no longer the benefits of the animal having eaten grass most of its life. Right. So with grass finished, we really want to make the distinction that they have been getting that their entire life. Mm. Um, right through to the finish. That's really good mm -hmm. to know. And then, like, I've heard um, that in terms of, like, pig, the treatment of, of pigs in Canada is actually pretty bad conventionally. Um, is that true, like, that they're, um, that they're kept in really close quarters and they're, you know, that it's quite bad? Like, I was watching um, Earthlings, for example, and, mm -hmm. like, I didn't realize that they you know, um, castrate all the males at birth without any anesthetic? Like, is that just how it's done across the board, even in that organic That is how situations? it's done, um, especially with organic, because you're not using... Yeah, you can't inject them with... ...medicines and all that stuff. It's a really fast process. It's like a couple of seconds, and they're mm -hmm. off nursing again, like, literally mm -hmm. within a minute. Mm -hmm. um, so it is kind of just how it's done. I see. But as far as the close quarters, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of production farms for, for pork. They're never seeing the light of day, kind of like chicken mm. production. They're never they're never going out. Wow. They're, they can hardly turn it. around. They're very, very close. Wow. Pigs also often are in confinement because they'll they fight because they're aggressive animals. So mm. they run up run into all those problems, bruising and things like that. And sometimes even having to confine them into smaller can you know. Mm -hmm. Um the way we raise our pigs is uh, we have this big barn uh, called Sausalito. And you can see it on our website. It's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's open air. It has airflow right throughout. But what's really unique about it is that we use a system called deep litter. So originally, mm -hmm. before the building's built, there's a big pit dug. And then that pit is filled with gravel and wood chips and sand and on and on and on. And then what happens is when the animals urinate, um, normally that... Uh, ferments and becomes ammonia, right? And that's yeah. what's so bad. It's actually a big, big problem in the chicken growing as well as the pork industry is the ammonia damage to their lungs. Oh. And it changes their blood chemistry. It changes a lot of things. It's very, very toxic. Yeah. And so the nice thing about the deep litter is it goes through a natural decomposition process like it would if they urinate outside. So you mm -hmm. don't get that ammonia. So actually you can mm. walk through the barn and it doesn't smell. Oh, that's good. They always have access to the outdoors. So in this area we have the tiny tiny baby dale chicks we raise them in there for about a month until they're big enough to go outside on grass and then the pigs they're usually born there and uh they'll be there with their moms for for about a month till they're mm. big enough to, to be turned outside at which point then they have you know acres and acres and acres to run around on and and do their thing so they're confined to the indoors um never entirely they can always go outside but they um, they're mo spending most of their days just completely outside in the forest running nice. around. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And in terms of chickens, um, I was hearing that Temple Grandin was coming up with like a new way to harvest chickens where like they listen to classical music. 
or something? Ah. Have you heard anything about that? Well, I haven't heard about that, but it is something we do. Um, on every processing day is we play exclusively classical music in, in the, the abattoir. Yes. Wow. And you'll see every processing day as well to reflect that and to respect the animals at Pasture Plate on Commercial Drive. They're also playing classical music on those days. So really? you'll always know when it's a kill day because they'll be playing classical music. Oh. And it's, uh, it is definitely something that, that calms the animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the people. I think it's calming yeah, to the people. And when you're everything. more relaxed, the animals respond to that as well. So. Right. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. In terms of um, chickens, what's the difference between having chicken from pasture to plate versus conventional? And also eggs. Sometimes I notice you do have eggs and sometimes mm-hmm. not. Is it just when they're available? Uh, I normally hoard them for the kitchen, <laughs> <laughs> for the baking and the, the uh-huh. breakfast and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah, it is something we're just starting in, the chickens and the eggs. Um, the egg production would need to grow enormously in order to supply the market and the demand we have here. Yeah. So right now we have very few and I yeah, do normally just use them in the kitchen, but like it is something the, we want to do. To make the baked goods there, is that yeah. what you mean? Oh, for wow. anything that we use eggs for, we're only using our own eggs for that. So. Is the kitchen there or is it somewhere else? No, on Denman. It's that Yeah, wow. yeah. Oh, cool. So, um, but yeah, we do plan to grow the egg production. It has comes down to manpower, having enough yeah. people to really do that. It's also labor intensive, right? How um, many people are up on the farm working? So, my parents, parents? are always there. Um, What's their heritage? A, are they Scandinavian? They're Swiss. They're Swiss. Cool. Mm-hmm. They've been there for 40 years now. Oh my this gosh. This year, I think. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's my parents. Then we have a, a couple of farmhands. Nice. And, uh, and then we have the butchers and, and everyone else. Everyone sort of lives on the ranch because all mm-hmm. that happens in, in that one place. Yeah, in a bit area, sort of in a 17 kilometer radius. You have wow. everything. So everyone kind of lives and becomes in a very nice little community, very international. We have a butcher from South Africa. We have butchers from Switzerland. We have one joining us from Colombia. So we have them from all over. And then um, it's, a, it's a really nice, nice community. Were your parents and, farmers in Switzerland? No. My dad's uh, family had greenhouses. Oh, cool. Flower shops. And my mom's, uh, my mom didn't grow up in agriculture at all. She's actually a school teacher. Wow. Yeah, so she was originally teaching, uh, when we were little, she was teaching at the Redstone Schoolhouse, I guess, the Cheswick Schoolhouse, where there was one, it was one of those old school schools, I guess, where there was one room and all the grades from, or all the, all the kids from sort of five years old to 14 years old, they're all in grade one. Wow. And uh, everyone was starting sort of at the same place. Um, because they maybe had never attended schools before, so. That's so cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so you asked about the difference yeah. between the chicken and uh, yes. conventional chicken. So part of it is that they're getting to, to live longer, so they have more time, again, to put away minerals, to, mm-hmm. you know, to make mm-hmm. their, their bodies more nutrient-dense, mm-hmm. um, more mature. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then again, like, they get to be outside, yeah. And that you have that, uh, they have the fresh air, they get um, the grass, and they get to roam around. And so the texture is is uh, much more pronounced in, in a pasture plate chicken than it would right. be from just a regular store-bought chicken. Mm. They're also bigger. Our broilers tend to be about six pounds. Mm. You think you know, little ones are generally about three pounds. So they're, they're a lot larger um, than, the, than the regular ones, yeah. Do you ever do turkeys? We do turkeys. We don't do them at the ranch. We do have someone who grows the turkeys for us locally, oh, cool. and he does follow the same, um, the same regulations, the Dependent same the biodynamic, wow. the organic, and everything as well. Is that well. like in Abbotsford or somewhere around no, here? No, no, no. He's also up close to the ranch, which is uh, about seven and a half hours drive north of here. Wow. Northwest. Could people get turkeys for like Thanksgiving from you guys? Yeah. So we do uh, lots of turkeys. So he he raises a lot for us, and we have them always at the butcher shop so anytime you, or you want a turkey we have the we do have the full thanksgiving birds and christmas oh, birds but we also do um throughout the year we do all the, you know the boneless skinless turkey breast mm-hmm. those kind of things people like and now they've recently been doing the turkey burgers again which are delicious they have oh, that cranberries yummy. and feta cheese they're so good whoa that sounds really good yes um, there was something that i was going to ask you but I, it's going to come to me in one sec oh yeah um, like I've got in the yoga world, I've got lots of students and, and, and coworkers who are vegan or who were vegan and are now transitioning myself included. I was vegetarian for a while. Um, I heard that there's never 
been on this planet, a, a fully vegan society. I'm wondering your take on all this. Like, I don't want to take sides, but like, do you think that it's possible to be a healthy vegan? Um, like, what do you think is, is it different for everybody? Does it depend on your ancestry? Like, what's your take on all of that? Well, I mean, I personally sort of tried out all the diets when I was a teenager. And did you? In my 20s, I tried the vegetarian and then vegan. I think I did vegetarian for like four years. And I tried them all and I never really, I guess I just never really felt well. Mm-hmm. So I finally came back to, you know, kind of how my parents raised me. Mm-hmm. As far as for other people, I guess to me, I, I really, I, I don't, want to dictate how anyone has to eat right I don't sense that I think that's that's kind of a everyone has the freedom to choose um Mm. my only issue when it comes to the the vegan trend I guess or I guess if I can't say it's a trend because it's also something that's been around for a long time Mm -hmm. but um the the philosophy tends to be not only just choosing what you want to eat but often they also want to dictate what other people get to eat and so they're very, very out there saying that we are wrong. And it's like, I want to eat meat because I think it's good for me. I want to feed it for, to my kids um, because I see them thrive on it. As do people from all over the world, and especially traditional societies from all over the world. Mm. And um, I don't want to, and I don't want anyone else to sort of dictate what other people get to eat. And mm-hmm. I think um, we all choose we make those choices several times every day and that's the only issue I have with um, with the vegan philosophy is um, mm. let's all have the freedom to choose yeah to choose what live we live and let live yeah um, yeah because I mean I know a beautiful vegan family in my building and they all seem like really healthy and they've been doing it for a long time and I mean my belief is that it, as long as you have enough love in your life you can kind of make any any diet work um yeah. And I just love like what you guys are doing because you're doing it in the most ethical way possible. Like I feel like you're the most ethical meat production company that I've ever heard of. And like I just I'm so I'm so inspired by that because that takes a lot of work. And it, it also does. takes a lot of passion. Mm-hmm. And I see you as somebody who is like extremely passionate. How many kids do you have? I have two. Yes, yeah, so you got two. And then two I have kids a stepson as well. And a stepson and I didn't realize that you were also the owner of the Ethical Kitchen, which was one of my favorite restaurants in Vancouver. It was on the North Shore. Um, like, how do you main a? How do you maintain the energy to do all this? And b, like, like where did it come from? Have you always been this passionate? I, I was one of those weird kids. I remember even as a kid, I wouldn't even have like orange juice from McDonald's. I've never tried KFC. I've never. Wow. I just was born that way. I was. Uh, like you just instinctively like, oh, I don't want. I it. just didn't want it. It was just not. I never even tasted it. Like I've never been to A and W. I I just was even as a child. I mean, my mom, my parents laughed. Like not that they ever really took us to McDonald's, but there was one time when I think everything else was closed and they had a stock trailer and a whole horde of kids and. It's just the only place you could drive through, yeah. and I wouldn't even have water. Wow. So I was just kind of strange that way. Um, so it's always been there for me. Food was always a big, Can I big ask part of it. I am 36. Wow, you look great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you look so gosh young. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, so I was always passionate about those things. Mm. I remember when I was, I think, 15 or 16, starting to petition my parents that they had to fence out all the um, natural the the bird nesting areas and stuff on our land mm. so they did that now that's you know a long time ago and you can see really now they they really did they defensed out everything probably more wow. than any ranch even um, on cr- the rangeland that we have which is actually um, crown land yeah. but we we hold leases on it there's a lot of places where they fenced out the water the habitats and things like that so they've really gone above and beyond and um, so I've always been very activisty that way. That is... Well, then you have the biodiversity. You have the birds who manage the insects. You have. Um, oh, you so know. you were saying that you said, guys, take the fences down. No, no, no. As no. in, they had to fence them out. As in, build fences to keep I the see. cattle and the animals out of these wetlands, so that oh, they, you I see. know, I right. Understand. So, so the birds are also having their nesting area. Yeah. Habitat. I understand. And yeah, it yeah. just brings. I mean, now this summer we spent about ten days 
at the ranch and uh, it was the first time I saw in all those years uh, there's they actually have resident sandhill cranes. Wow. Sandhill cranes are one of the most um, prehistoric birds. Uh, they've come right from the dinosaur age. They're yeah. about six feet tall. What? They live up to 70 years. They're incredible. They have a beautiful voice. Um, if you look up actually on our Facebook page I think you can hear the sandhill cranes on a video. Sandhill cranes. They just beautiful and they used to never stop they would well they stop for a few days and then they'd move on and now they've actually made their nesting grounds there so wow. they feel safe enough and um, so there's a really wonderful biodiversity of all kinds of wildlife and and that all comes from like yeah my parents being super dedicated to to making sure that everyone has a place mm-hmm. and uh, and as for me yeah, I think I was kind of born super passionate about all those things mm-hmm. um, and, and yeah, I mean, what keeps my energy levels up? I, I think we eat well. I cook all the time. Mm. Um, do also enjoy eating out and we don't, you know, go, we go out a lot and stuff like that. Mm. But um, up until this fall, I've also been homeschooling the kids. So oh, that's cool. another layer. What, um, and, is there a certain uh, tradition of homeschooling that you follow? Just what my mom did. We were yeah. very remote, so we were homeschooled. Cool. Um, she what was a school she teacher, though. Uh-huh. So uh, it was more like short bursts of really concentrated learning. So we would do two or three hours a day, and then we'd have nice. the rest of the day to sort of run free. And um, that was a really good way to learn. Now I'm trying to get the kids into a school because I, I need to dedicate time for the business growing and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a little different here in the city because they hear other kids playing all the time when they go in the schoolyard, right? And so they're feeling left out. Yeah. We were out in the country, so there was always the four. There was four of us girls, and we always had each other. And mm-hmm. so we didn't feel left out because there was no other kids around anyway. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel quite right here to, to isolate them like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the biggest part about my energy levels is I just love what I do. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I do. Um, I work with good people, and I... I like the vision a lot, yeah. the, the pasture plate vision of the people, animals, and healthy soils. It's just really holistic. It really, um, if the, the earth is thriving and doing well, then the animals and then the people also thrive, right? If you have all those connections. That's amazing. Do you think that um, there's a certain, in our society, that there's a certain susceptibility to a, a meat addiction where people are consuming more meat than they probably need to? for their, you know, the average sedentary lifestyle. Absolutely. I think there's definitely a lot of people who do is eating less meat. And so that's what I, people tell me. They're like, oh, like, I couldn't, you know, go to get this really expensive meat. It's too expensive. And I'm thinking, well, yeah. like, how much meat are you eating? You know, like, maybe, you know, quality over quantity. But Yeah, yeah. that's always my go-to argument. It has been for years with people who say, well, organic meat is just too expensive. And say, well... Even if you're going to pay three times as much for organic meat, and it's generally, generally about double, mm-hmm. depending on the cut. But so sometimes if you're going to think you're going to spend three times as much, eat one-third the meat and eat really good quality meat because what you're, we've already talked about the nutrient density. Mm-hmm. And you're getting way more nutrients out of a small organic steak that's been grass-fed and raised maybe the animal's 30 months old versus something that's only 12 months old mm-hmm. that has been pumped full of whatever and grown super fast you're not the nutrients aren't even going to be there right and um so maybe that is why the body is craving more and more right that's why what's the same thing with the overeating is is people are literally starving but they're eating all the time because they're not getting the nutrients and that's sort of when people switch from their conventional diet to to more of a, a whole foods good really really good quality ingredients diet is that for about a month they're as hungry as they always were and then the body sort of slows down and says hey you know what i'm i'm actually good with less because your body tops itself up on minerals and its nutrients and then um, all these things are just more nutrient dense and your body only needs so much Mm -hmm. so i definitely think people could do in general with eating less meat but very very good meat i think that's a better um investment than just eating tons of meat so I think that's a, a really good Definitely answer. Definitely agree makes, with you there. That makes so much sense. Like, if everything is energy and then, you know, people are just consuming these huge steaks that are from these unhappy cows that have not been treated well, that have been pumped full of antibiotics, like, all that is, like, death. Like, that's not life. And no. food is about, you know, honoring the animal or the plant, taking in its energy, you know, and then it's rooting for you. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so and you, you feel the difference. You do. Yeah. I think in India they have a word tamasic. We don't have a word for oh, it. Oh yeah. 
but the it's that sort of that energy of uh, it's like the bat, yeah. like something that's just to, yeah. There's tamas. Uh, sattvic is sattvic is like a like good imbalance. Right? Yeah, yeah. And tamas is like too much. Maybe yeah. Fiery, so too fiery or something. So oh, no, it's rajasic. Oh, I should know as a I think yoga teacher. Tam, I think tamasic is like the, the negative aspect yes. of, of just animal products and there definitely the is that all the yoga this will send me emails <laughs> <laughs> they will correct us that's sattvic good. I know is like when it's more in balance yeah. and then like rajasic and is like, like that and then tamasic might be yeah, the, the opposite the of negative our... aspect yeah, yeah so I, I definitely think um, people should be focusing with everything in life about getting the best possible in whatever amount they can afford rather than just it's the same when you know, we go clothing shopping right buy buy Fast a jacket fashion. that you're going to be able to wear I, I have boots and I sometimes people say oh my god you spent $500 per boots I bought them 10 years ago yes. and I still wear them every winter and they're still beautiful and I love them and I'll wear them in 10 years from now right that's awesome so it's I actually have leather boots from my grandmother that now would be hundred years old and I can still wear them. Wow, really? Wow. That's so amazing. really good quality and and things can last. And so, yeah. so definitely always just go for what's the best quality, not the not the quantity. You know, that's buy one awesome. beautiful sweater that's handmade and that money really went to someone who did something great. Yeah. Rather than six sweaters and just uh, fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same with food. It really is the same with food. Exactly. It has Secret, it's yeah. it's the definitely and I feel like people want to do the right thing. And as people are more and more educated, they are like, oh, my gosh, yeah, of course, let's do that. Like, even like a, this is a completely different topic, but I was like looking for some makeup for a photo shoot. And I went into Sephora and I was like, hey, like, just wondering if you guys have like anything that's like from the earth, like that doesn't have any chemicals in it that I could use as like a cover up. And like, oh, yeah, with this, check that out. And I checked it and it had like shea butter. And then the rest was just like words that I couldn't I think pronounce. I bought that one. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, darn it. And I guess Lush had a line that was actually completely natural, yeah. but then they discontinued it in Canada. I was like, darn it. Yeah, I know. There so, used to be Micabella, too. They used to sort of sell it, like the ferry terminal and stuff. Micabella? Micabella. They were, it was it like online? with Mica. I think you can still, but I think it got bought out by some, some other company. company. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. But yeah, I think people, when they, when they realize, like, these things, then, you know, it's different yeah and then it's all people do want to do the right thing and often yeah. it's just that they don't know and even there's sometimes you know we can use technology for, for great advancement and there's so much information out there but there's so much information that you have to then filter through yes right and so that's why things like your podcast are so great is that people who already know you they trust you and they trust mm. your opinions then they can listen to that knowing that you're going to make bring information to them that's going to be really helpful for them right. because if you just type in say grass-fed meat you're going to get everything from vegan activists to to god knows what that's yeah, going to be that you have plethora. to then filter through like 30,000 pages to maybe get to something like yeah. pasture plate so i've got um, a question for you so mm -hmm. i i was teaching a class last night and you know i talk sometimes in my classes about empowerment and, and being yourself um, one of the lines in the Bhagavad Gita says yoga is the practice of tolerating the consequences of being yourself and this girl comes up to me and she's like I have a friend and he, he he's, he's not openly gay but he you know he's struggling and he's just become addicted to meat and he's become addicted to like gluten and, and deep fried foods and he's constantly eating and whenever she hangs out with him she'll be like oh let's go to yoga let's go for a walk in nature and he's like no no let's go for dinner and I was totally there in my past mm -hmm. I remember that feeling and it's like this um, addiction to food because you do get this, I guess, dopamine rush from eating like mm -hmm. heavy cheese and like crappy meat and stuff. And so I'm wondering, like, as, as someone who is health conscious, what advice would you give to that dude to get out of that cycle? I think acknowledgement first, um, realizing that when we do overeat, it's because we, when your body's busy, the blood that is otherwise going to your brain, which then powers thought, mm. and we don't want to think about things that are, we're going through in our lives, mm. having a full belly is like a very physical way to take that uh. blood and those nutrients out of your brain because you're occupying them somewhere else. So you're kind of forcing right. the brain to shut down when you're full. And so that is, uh, as much as you, just uh, what you eat that, fuels yeah. you, right? But you're physically taking that brain power away by yeah. taking the blood away from it. Yeah. Um, another thing then is to make sure, you know, he can look at the different aspects and say, like, do I have the support system in place, you know? Feel out the people around him. Are they the right people who yeah. are going to still love him? She was and, wondering uh, if, if I knew of any, like, how could, 
community, how could I help him cultivate community? And in my case, like being openly bisexual, I love hanging out with people in general, regardless of sexual orientation. I don't like being pigeonholed into mm-hmm. the LGBT community. I like to be part of every community. And, but I could understand in his case that he was looking because he's going on these dating apps, which I've also been on in the past. And you're glued to this screen trying to make connections, but it's very, I just feel like it's problematic in so many ways. And it can be positive, but for that dude in that situation, I totally agree. It's like have compassion for himself realize like the physiology of what's happening and then actively seek out people that support you for who you are whether Mm -hmm. that's through an lgbt support system or just people in general who are open-minded yeah i feel like you guys have like one of those stickers on those lgbt stickers yeah so he can come to pasture to play it's a safe space for lgbt people it's just about be good with yourself and then Mm. the people who aren't you know for some reason open-minded or whatever it is they're they're gonna take themselves out of your life anyways and then you have more space you know it's like feel you feel lost when somebody leaves your life but at the same time it opens up more space to have um really wonderful people in your life and that i've been through so many times in my life where i thought i was losing friends and though then that just makes more space in your life you know i went through a big purge a few years ago and then realized at first I was sad. I was like, oh, I've lost all these friends for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden, wow, I have so much more time for my kids and for the mm. things I love to do. Mm-hmm. And then slowly people trickle back in that are people that are more sort of on your side. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I think, yeah, and just in general, when people know you as a person, it's a, it's really, it's, the rest is nobody's business, you know? Like yeah. if people can connect with you as a human and as a, person then uh i think you find more people are more people are just just okay you know yes and i feel like that's maybe where yoga and meditation can come in handy is connecting to oneself and feeling a sense of at-homeness within one's own beingness Mm -hmm. and then it's easier to see that there's actually tons of people around you who love you and care about you and it's more easy to feel that when you tune your body as if it was like a a tuning fork for love mm-hmm. and you eat certain things that make you feel more loving and you hang out with people who make you feel more loving etc 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 and then you can actually feel it's like oh my god I thought that person didn't like me but it was just their face they just had resting asshole face <laughs> yeah, yeah, <I> think that's <laughs> like sometimes I- people's faces they just look like they don't like you but it's just the way their face is yeah for sure I, I think I get that a lot people think I'm just not very friendly, but I'm oh, actually nice not, too, I'm not too bad. <laughs> <You're awesome. laughs> but uh, yeah, there's kind of those two approaches, right? There's the approach where people really go introvert for a while, sort themselves out, get mm-hmm. comfortable with themselves, and then they step out into the world and like people can be drawn to them. And then there's the people who take the approach of say like the same kind of thing as what Alcoholics Anonymous does, where then you're supposed to introduce yourself as, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. And it's like, mm. does that really want to be the do you want that to be the first thing people see about you or do you want them to see you? And so people can carry their sexuality like a shield. Or I'm vegan. Exactly. It can carry it like a shield and automatically repel people who might not be okay with it. Or you can just be you and then you'll see, I think the world responds to you in a completely different way because because Mm. people will already have bonded with you. And then they might be like, hey, you know what? This guy's cool. I really don't who he likes right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think um, I like the approach more I, I'm drawn more to people who who are just comfortable with themselves yeah. I think it's really really nice and oh, there's I think, I think you hit the nail on the head that's really good advice yeah that's oh, so beautiful out here it's so pretty that's pretty good that's we got a good little 45 minutes oh wow going in there that's that's perfect is there anything else that you want to say about pasture plate about um, you know, your philosophy about you. Hmm. Well, I like to tell people they should also try ethical soda. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Okay. Ethical soda is like the best kombucha ever. I'm uh, not drinking anymore. And when I drink ethical soda, I feel like, I just feel like it's a very lovely taste and it's like the perfect party drink. Like if yeah. everybody else is drinking alcohol, I can have an ethical soda and I feel like I'm like celebrating. Yeah, it gives you that little rush of B vitamins and you is feel that what like it is? all awake, apparently, yeah. 
Is that because of like all the fermentation um, and the it is a byproduct. It's a oh. byproduct of the that the kombucha culture actually makes. Oh, interesting. So yeah, we brew and we make it all in North Vancouver. Yesterday we did nice. uh, made twelve hundred liters. What? So we do lots. Yeah, we do it in these big three hundred liter vats. That's and, amazing. And uh, we ferment for ten days. Then we do a second ferment for about ten days. Cool. And um, yeah, we package it all ourselves. We do it in the nice, bright, lovely cans. So nice. yeah, those are beautiful uh, cans. We Where can people get it? They can get it pasture to plate. Yes. Is it becoming available in, in uh Yeah, they can get it stuff? all across Canada now, actually. Wow, congratulations. Right up to Yukon. Yeah. Holy moly. Like in still, grocery stores and stuff? Yep. So Whole wow. Foods has it. Um, there's some... I know in Alberta, there's a whole bunch of Best Buys that have it. Like I just mm. see every month, I just see like the sales printouts because we sell through distributors mostly. I see. So we don't really get to have that personal connection with every single store. That's we do with like a few local ones. You don't know who's like listening iTunes, to it, right? Yeah. So then it's a really nice surprise when we actually get to see um, at the end of the month kind of the printout of where the distributors have sent it and be like, wow, there's like Best Buy. Who would have thought? That's but amazing. It's really cool. What we worked really, really hard on with Ethical Soda was to to keep to get the prices down. Yeah. Last year when we launched, it was retailing about $5 a can. I just wasn't happy with that. And right. we really wanted to make it... And kombucha is such a great product and it's such an easy way to get something healthy mm -hmm. um, that's still fun and nice, you know, and it's yeah. alive. It's not filtered or pasteurized and it's a great alternative for pop to kids. Yeah. And, uh, but... What do you say to the people who say, oh, it's so high in sugar? Well... <laughs> Um, is it high in sugar? It's just better than pop because of the fermentation. And you do get a lot of probiotics. If you, um, it does need the culture needs sugar. Right. It's in the second fermentation where a lot of sugar gets sort of used up and turned into um, carbonic acid and different things. Carbonic acid mm -hmm. actually great for cancer patients and stuff too. So it's really oh, good cool. for uh, for healing your bones and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean our sugar test we had originally done so last year our cans were out there saying they had about 20 grams of sugar we retested them this last winter and realized that it's actually way lower than that so we're now at 12 grams oh that's good yeah we also tested five other sort of of the leading brands and realized that they all had between 400 and 600 percent more sugar than they actually claim on the label so oh no you're getting a lot of things that aren't really uh, how there. can they do that it's an unregulated industry, um, right? And and nobody's really checking. Even the ones that are organic. Yeah. The sugar content. Most not of them regulated. are organic. I think actually with our distributor, we're the only ones who's not listed organic because we chose not to go with the organic certification. But okay. every ingredient that we use is, is certified organic. organic. We use okay. organic sugar, um, which actually is something I'm really excited about. I hope in the next years to start producing organic beet sugar on the ranch oh, that'd be for fantastic. our kombucha so we can actually grow organic beet sugar which Amazing. would be really really cool oh, but cool. uh but yeah we've got our prices down now so now i think whole foods is like 219 can so it's like by far the That's most affordable good. because we really wanted something like my kids love it and we wanted i mean i guess something that people could afford to buy for the kids a lot of people yeah. are willing to they'll buy a five or six dollar drink for themselves and then mm. maybe a blue sky soda for the kids or something right right, right. so we wanted something that people are actually going to buy for the whole family um that's fantastic so, so we've done that and yeah it's a it's a really fun process get to learn a lot yeah, yeah. i imagine so to me make that happen mm -hmm. even on the business end i get to you know, be a part of Pasture to Plate. But my parents have already worked on this business for 40 years mm -hmm. to get it to where it is today. So I kind of get to step in and like a lot of the hardships are over. Yeah. And so with the kombucha, I get to do all those struggles myself. And I feel like mm. that's important for, for me to understand also how, how a business works, yeah. you know? Yeah. Good for you, girl. That's really that's nice. amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's been fun talking to you. Yeah, I'm so happy that we got we'll to chat. We'll have to talk again. Yay. Okay, so where can people go online to learn more about Pasture to Plate and Ethical Soda? So, Pasture to Plate is pasturetoplate.ca. Awesome. And is that a Pasture to? T-O. T-O. Pasture okay, T-O Plate. .ca. We have a wonderful website. We have some beautiful videos. If you just click through everything else, find the videos. The videos are beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, actually, my cousin, who has a production company in France, came over with her husband, and they made most of the videos for us. They actually even won an award at one of the Cannes wow. Film Festivals for, for one, one of the videos. videos. Yes, Amazing. for the story they were able to tell in this compact, short little wow. video. That's and that's on beautiful. the website. Yeah. So the, the cinematography, everything's really nice. They tell a good story of the ranch. Nice. Um, the and then for Ethical Soda, it's uh, ethicalsoda.ca. Cool. And, uh, yeah. That's... Are you on any social media? Like we do Facebook and Instagram for, for the kombucha and for the, for the pasture plate. Cool. Yes. Cool. 
cool. as well. Um, I'm not so savvy with all of that, so uh, I'm, that's I'm, okay. <laughs> I know um, David was doing that, eh? The I, I met yes. David once yeah. with the curly hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. met him, and then uh, then I saw him up at the Blessed Coast Music Festival. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's nice. awesome, and people are wanting. You know, people, for example, at Blessed Coast, I just felt like I'd finally found my tribe. Nice. And it's just such a nice feeling. And like with people like Casta, Casta was on the podcast too. And, and it's just so nice to connect with, with like-minded people and realize you're not alone. And like there's are other people who care about similar issues. Yes, so. there is. And there's so many, it's so easy, especially when you get on so- social media and stuff yeah. to see all the bad things. And it's mm-hmm. so disheartening. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to remember to balance, like just like you have to balance your diet, you have to balance your life. I think it's not yeah. good to just put on blinders and completely ignore anything bad that's going on in the world. But right. I think, like, get a balance and realize that there's so many positive things happening. And, uh, yeah, keep up on those. Awesome. And be a part of them, you know? Thank you so yeah. much for your time today. Namaste. Yay. You've been listening to the Bi Urban Yogi. I'm Will Blunderfield, and I produce the show. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you procure your podcasts. And follow me on Twitter or Instagram at WBlunderfield. Thank you to Barbara Schallenberg. And as always, thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.